Massive thank you as always to our top tier patrons, Sarah Turner and Justin Harper. The podcast takes a considerable amount of work, so we really do appreciate everyone's contribution. You can support us too at patreon.com forward slash it's not just in your head. For as little as $3, you can get access to our Discord community where hosts, Ekoi, Hero and myself host weekly live discussions. So come join us. Please do rate us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media. We're on Reddit, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And if you have any questions or comments about this episode or the podcast in general, then email it's not just in your head at gmail.com. And this week's random call out goes to patron ML. And just a quick note to say that the recording of this podcast, I had some microphone issues, so I apologize for the slightly lower quality than normal. In the mental health field, too often, we've made it seem as if it's just in your head. Just in your head. The landlord can hijack the rent by 20%. That impacts people's mental health. We can't have a profit-driven mental health care system if we want our people to be connected and healthy. Is it Tessa? Is that how you're supposed to say it? <laughs> it's uh, Tessa. T-E-S-A. Tessa. Uh, Tessa Collective. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that, and that stands uh, for something, right? It does. Um, when we first started 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago, which is very weird to say, um, we had uh, this, this brilliant idea that would be great to have a very long and complicated name. Um, <laughs> so we were... Um, we. When we're we're officially the toolbox for education and social action, um, oh, okay. and then we're like, that's super long. Let's go ahead and just abbreviate that. So, so, so I came about across you guys. Um, I think through Reddit, and because <laughs> there was a co, I think you posted something in the sort of subreddit about cooperatives, and okay. um. It was about the the game that you just released, Strike, uh, oh, the Worker okay, Rebellion. Yeah, yeah. and um, I, I not only did I sort of dig in and you know order the game and, and play it and all that sort of stuff, but I did oh. post it on our Reddit and said, "Would this, oh. you know, what's everyone think? Would this be a good guess?" And you know, there was lots of enthusiastic people about it. So, um, thank you. Yeah, uh, and you know, I really enjoyed the game, and I think I, I don't know if you wanted to sort of say a few words about Strike. Yeah, so Strike is a uh, cooperative board game it's set in the near future. Um, it's a cooperative game, so everyone's on the same team. Each player takes on the role of a, a worker uh, with unique skills and um, in, in a unique industry, you know, from the dock worker to the grocery uh, clerk. And each each player represents a worker in the Strike Council. And the reason there's a Strike Council is um, in the game, this uh, evil mega corporation called Happy Corp is trying to take over um, your city and um, privatize everything, um, you know, get rid of all unions, make everything from sidewalks to, to, to whatever privatized. And your goal uh, is to lead a citywide strike to abolish Happy Corp from your city. Uh, yeah, and we built it with <clears throat> this awesome uh, labor rights organization um, called Jobs with Justice. They're a very amazing organization. So uh, it's a game by, for, and about the labor movement. Um, and um, I haven't shared it anywhere. Uh, anywhere else. I haven't shared this next tidbit anywhere else. So you guys are getting some exclusive news. So get ready to be a breaking news podcast. But um, we are uh, we're we're working with them to also actually do a. Um, a uh, follow-up game sort of sequel, sort of like a, 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 a miniature version of the game that can be like more easily carried around that were um and like played in like the uh, settings that were we're, we're calling it the uh, strike picket line edition so um yeah so that'll be coming out i think uh, end of this year start of next so yeah oh i will recommend it to payday report which is a report oh. by mike gale you know that payday report the report by mike elk of all yes, the strikes uh, that nobody mentions I've I've heard I've heard, yes I've heard of that absolutely. Just the idea of uh, using uh, board games. I mean, how did that all sort of come about, or like what was the sort of thinking behind it? Because you sure. you obviously make your own games, but you work with a lot of institutions or companies that mm-hmm. are also going to approach you. You know, they sort of instinctively maybe uh, realize that mm-hmm. games are useful or they can do something. So I'm, I'm just sort of wondering what your sort of history was, how you sort of got into doing this to begin with. 
Yeah, well, if you don't mind a little bit of a of a ramble, um, it uh, it all started uh, 15 years ago. No, uh, well, close to that. Um, so I, before I start, I'm one of the co-founders of Tessa. Um, before um, uh, founding uh, uh, this cooperative, um, I was uh, teaching at a uh, learning center for teens who had... Um, dropped out of, of school or been kicked out because of drugs or other things. So it was a, it was a non-mandated, like a non-compulsory, but place that uh, some of them were homeschoolers as well, place that um, uh, people could go or teenagers could go to, um, to still learn and have classes and that kind of stuff. And um, uh, before, uh, for a while I was teaching a class on like music and how to record your own music and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that was super easy to get um, uh, uh, folks, uh, you know, teens uh, and, uh, to show up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I started to, um, uh, and I was, uh, I was at the time also a college student studying alternative education and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but when I uh, started to teach a class on um, U.S. history, uh, like uh, controversies and in, in history and uh, people's history, um, like no one was showing up. And I was like, well, okay. So what can I do to get uh, people to show up? And I was like, all right. So I started to make some board games for the um, for the class because um, again, it wasn't compulsory. People could just uh, teams could just show up because um, this was not a school. Um, and by making the board games, um, I got they they started showing up, and I realized, okay, this is effective. Like you know, this is a really cool way to get um, you know to to engage and to use alternative forms of outreach and education and that kind of stuff. Um, fast forward many years later, um, we founded uh, Tessa. Um, and um, at the time when we started, uh, the idea was not necessarily that we were going to publish board games. We started um, as a um, consultant for nonprofits, cooperatives, community organizations, that kind of stuff for, to help them build um, educational tools, programs um, for their cause. Um, and we uh, decided to make, um, just because we're all nerds and gamers, we decided to make a game um, for uh, one of our projects we were doing, um, with, uh, and um, which it was when we said, hey, let's publish this. Um, and that was our first game called Cooperly, the Game of Cooperatives. Um, and it was, ended up being a really, uh, for us, uh, and not, uh, sorry, <laughs> once. <laughs> Sounds like we went into his digestive tract by mistake. No problem. Sorry. Yeah. Cause of the formula shortage where my wife is like, has that and she's just giving out away to people. So there were people oh. just coming up. And so there's people just coming in to our house and games and so i just put up a sign that said hey here just go to our backyard and get it so anyways yes. uh, so that shouldn't happen again sorry about that this will be all right um, well, it's awfully generous of you though no oh, well you know you know mutual aid that's what we got to do right yep um agreed i was saying cooperly was our first game it was sort of an unexpected hit for us um, for us, at least, you know, again, we were a consultancy, um, we put out this game, um, and, uh, a couple, uh, a year or so later, uh, we, uh, took it, um, to this little protest that was happening. Um, uh, someone, someone messaged us online, like, Hey, we've got this protest. It'd be great if you brought Cooperly and, you know, da, da, da. We're like, okay, cool. We'll come check it out. And uh, it was this little thing called uh, Occupy Wall Street. Um, and we, <laughs> and we, brought, we brought Coopoly to it. And um, while we were there, we were like, you know, someone suggested to us, like, hey, you should make a game about like building movements. Like, you know, like, and we're like, that's a really cool idea. And we started to do it. And then it sort of like fell on, fell on the wayside. And then a couple of years later, we were like, you know what? No, we, we, we do. You want to do this so we made our second game called rise up um which is a game about movement building and people power um that also ended up being a, um you know surprisingly a hit for us and after that we sort of were like you know what we we are a board game publisher now that's that's something we do uh, because we're cooperative and we can just make decisions like that um and so in addition to uh, the consultancy work that we continue to do this day 
Uh, we publish board games. Um, our, one of our most popular board games is called Space Cats Fight Fascism, and it's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, we've also got Strike. Uh, we've got a game uh, upcoming called um, Community Garden, another game uh, coming up called uh, Sustainable Cities, um, and on and on. So yeah, like you said, uh, we do uh, also work with organizations to build games for their causes. Um, so we worked with the Nature Conservancy, for example, to build a game about um, water access. Uh, we worked with Planned Parenthood um, to build, uh, we built them an online game for some of their volunteers. Um, so, so, uh, so, so on and so forth. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, that was a little bit like uh, the accidental genesis of why we started doing games was this, we saw it as a tool for popular education. Um, but then it be also became like a cultural um, a way to like reach people culturally, um, not just through like, hey, people want to learn and engage in stuff, but not just like by reading or watching YouTube videos or getting PowerPoint. Uh, you know, they want to experience and feel what it's like to be a part of the thing. So, anyways, right. I said this was a ramble, and I'll stop there. Yeah, no, that, it's, <laughs> a, it's a really good point. It's the sort of embodied feeling thing. It's like when you right. play uh, a game, you sort of do take on a role. And then in right. taking on that role, you have certain sort of incentives and that generates certain kinds of feelings. And it's, you know, the, the, the co-op um, idea to begin with of, you know, you are playing against the game. You're not sort of playing against each other. Uh, obviously, right. that's been around for a while, but that does do something uh, to begin with. It sort of changes your relationship with, um, yeah. you know, objectives, I guess. Um yeah. And then, yeah, in particular in, in Strike Worker Rebellion, you know, you are uh, you're all working together and you are pushing against this thing. And, you know, it reminded me a bit of Pandemic, the board game as well, but just in, in terms of, uh, you know, and it's just great. Uh, it's just great fun. But I think that I think that's fascinating, that insight, that your early experiences, like if you do music, the teenagers show up. If you do a history lesson, they don't. And I think this is a... This is a big thing, and this is something that um, is talked about. Is the idea of uh, is talked about um, online? At least I've seen it a few places. Um, this idea of you know, can the left sort of do enjoyment? <laughs> you know, like there's this there's this thing about like fun and enjoyment seem like complete opposite to politics, right? Politics yeah. is serious. Yeah. You don't mess around, yeah. and fun and enjoyment. Um, it's yeah. not, and it seems to me like it's a very sort of persuasive medium. Um, but I don't know if you've I, I seen that. I think so, yeah. Yeah, we, we sometimes get, like, people who, like, you know, comment on our social media stuff or, you know, like, oh, why, you know, don't play a game about, you know, activism. You, you should actually go be doing it. And, like, you know, that, and it's like, hey, guess what? People also, like, need to enjoy themselves, and also, like, it, we need to flex our imagination muscle, and we need to, like, um, you know, not everything is, like, you know, when you just say, hey, go organize, like, what does that mean? It doesn't, like, you mean anything. Like, that. it's just, like, okay, what, what do you organize? You know, go oh, enjoy yourself, build community, like, see yourself as agents in, in the, you know, uh, in the issue you want to be involved in, like, uh, you know, there, there was this, I, I have no idea who said it. And so I like can't contribute it or attribute it correctly. Um, but it stuck with me. Someone, someone said um, that like, whoever controls our imagination controls our future. And that has sort of like yeah. become my guiding light mm -hmm. towards uh, what I do in this with, uh, with board games. Um, I, I head up our board games uh, at Tessa. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, we don't have to like, yeah, we, there's a time and place to be serious, but like being serious all the time is like, you know, uh, what is it? Emma Goldman, uh, quote, uh, you know, if I can't dance, yeah, I don't want to be yes. a part of your revolution. Well, if I can't play board games, I don't want to be part of your revolution. So, right. Anyways, exactly. Um, <laughs> if fun isn't part of the future, like what's, what are we right. doing here? Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. It, exactly. It's also, I think the opposite of a, a lot of leftism is just, they're screwing you, you're a sucker, they used you, they exploited you. That's right. not exactly an ego builder. Right. And uh, so it, it's not necessarily empowering. Right. But right. to be in these roles is empowering, and it's. I think it's really exciting and needed. 
Right. It's a different part of the culture to build a different idea and sensibility. Cool. We need right. it. Yeah, and also, I, I guess um, uh, there's, a, there's a structural element to all of this, which is that you are a worker co- a co-op, right? So yeah. it's not um, doing one, th- saying one thing, then doing another. There's an right. element of uh, like, ha- yeah. What was the sort of decision to sort of initially set up uh, in that manner? Yeah, uh, well, we, it's funny, we always, like, the intention was always to be a co- uh, cooperative. Um, I, I started the company on my own, just as like, hey, this is something I want to do. And, you know, it's maybe not that the more I've learned about cooperatives, the more, or because we've, I've, we've done a lot of cooperative education, maybe it was not the right initial path, but it's the one I, I took. Uh, I started the company and I was just like, I want to do this and I'll get people to join me as I go. Um, and, um, you know, we were doing a lot of work with cooperatives and cooperative education. Um, a lot, I, I interned at the cooperative development Institute there, um, during college. So I, um, was very, uh, in that world. Um, so when, when I, uh, founded TASA and then the second person came on, we were, it was always intentional that we would build out and bring, bring more people on, um, so we didn't, uh, uh, we like technically didn't start as a cooperative, but then it was our goal to become one. And, and then we did. Um, and, um, you know, our, our viewpoint was like, we, um, we don't want anyone to be our boss, but we also don't want to be the boss of anyone. So the way that we do that is that we're all collectively the bosses. Um, and, uh, but we're all also collectively the workers. Um, and you know, I'm not going to like say it's been puppy dogs and rainbows. Like we have like learned tough lessons. We've made mistakes. We've, um, you know, we've experienced the tyranny of structuralistness at times and we've had to build out our structure. And, um, as we've like defined our roles better and we've like, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff, we've, we've gotten much better, uh, um, as a cooperative, but, um, yeah, we always, was always a, a goal of ours to be involved with um, building the cooperative movement. And so we were like, Hey, we are going to be a cooperative itself. Um, that has had challenges because, you know, we, we started out now uh, as just like an education consultancy for nonprofits and um, you know, education in this country as uh, is not valued. And so people have a hard time wanting to pay for that when they, uh, and, and I think that's one of the reasons we also expanded into board games was, uh, Hey, we can sell things and make money through this Avenue as well. Um, but uh, uh, the point being that um, when we started, we, we sort of were a bit structuralists and, um, uh, you know, just sort of like, Oh, we'll all sort of do whatever. And we're all involved. And, and then as time went on, we're like, you know what? No, the best way to sort of be act as a cooperative is to like have clearly, um, delineated, um, uh, roles and to have open lines of communication, but to be, to be able to be autonomous, but to be able to trust each other to do our thing, uh, you know, be, hey, you're in charge of this thing. I'm in charge of this thing. I'll report back if we have certain decisions we have to make together. Great. But, you know, we don't have to all work on the newsletter together. That can be mm-hmm. one person's job, um, mm-hmm. just as a sort of micro example. So, um, yeah, so it was always our intention. But uh, like I said, I don't want to like, uh, I don't want to like put it on a pedestal and say it was always great and easy. Um, you know, when you're running a cooperative, you're you're running a business and a democracy um, within a economic landscape that um, on both fronts doesn't want you to succeed. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a business mm-hmm. and a democracy is a really good way of um putting it i think because it is sort of fascinating like i know i I remember reading some david graber stuff and he was talking about like you know well this is just what it is like humans are messy and it's just difficult and like a lot of the structures that are sort of created are there to sort of to some degree i guess in in a sort of corporate structure they're there just to shave off the edges of being a human and you know that has a cost um but that like you know it gets things done in air quotes um but yeah to 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 what end you know if everyone's sort of drugged up just to get to work on time and all that sort of stuff it's yeah right it becomes a problem but i think that's really interesting the idea that um we're 
which is sort of foundational to co-ops, right? Which is that no one's going to be anyone else's boss, but we're all going to collectively be each other's. We're all going to be held accountable in, in some respect. Um, I can imagine that that is just a process of like trying to figure it out. Like maybe there is no blueprint because every sort of person is different. I assume there, there must have been, were, were there, or was there, sorry, material that you followed to help you structure your co-op? Or were you just sort of stumbling around in the dark, like just learning how to sort of work with each other? Oh, um, I should, I should absolutely say they're at, Absolutely are blueprints when, like I said, when I, we started our cooperative 10, whatever years ago, 11 years ago, um, we, we did it very, uh, like I said, I very sloppily. Um, and, um, but they're, they're, uh, um, and they're, they, you know, there are cooperatives of different, um, there are cooperatives of different shapes and sizes, um, and, um, structures. So, you know, you do, you do have very, um, you know, collectivized, uh, horizontal, uh, cooperative. And we should uh, put my nerd hat on for a second. You know, we should delineate. There are, there are different types of cooperatives, right? There are worker owned Mm -hmm. cooperatives. And so the people who, um, run and own and manage those are workers. There are also, um, you know, consumer cooperatives, which are often grocery stores, Mm -hmm. but not exclusively. There are artists and producer cooperatives. There are, uh, um, there are, you know, um, there are, there are just like farming cooperatives. So there's a cooperative is just a, is, is a structure, um, but there's, you know, a movement behind certain sections of cooperatives, mostly such like worker cooperatives and certain um, sizes of consumer cooperatives. Um, but um, even, even the worker cooperative world, there are um, worker cooperatives that are three people and um, there are co- worker cooperatives that are a hundred people. There are worker cooperatives that are collectives and then there are worker cooperatives that um, do elect um, a board of directors, a president, um, da, 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 da. But again, what's important in that, in that context is that um, those board of directors that that president are uh, they are directly accountable to the workers they take their they they get their power and their authority to take action from the workers and the workers can vote them in vote them out yeah. and, uh, and so on and so forth um so um th- there at, at this time there is a very robust uh cooperative movement um and the, the uh you know the united states as per usual is playing catch up with the rest of the world um but there are amazing um worker cooperative and cooperative in general like support and development organizations um that um you know can anywhere from like you know how to start a cooperative um we've We've worked with a bunch of uh, worker uh, worker co-op training academies. We help put together like a, a co-op, uh, like a short free documentary on how to start a co-op uh, that you can watch online. Um, it's called Own the Change. Um, you know, but there are, uh, yeah, so there are, there's the U.S. Federation of Worker Cooperatives. There's the Democracy at Work Institute. There's Democracy at Work Network. I think you mentioned um, one of those earlier. Uh, you know, there, so there are cooperative, uh, you know, and there's, how-to guides. There's there are cooperative trainers and developers who you can work with. You know, if you want to find one near you, uh, there's a website called Cooperation Works, and you type in where you are, and I'll show you the closest uh, cooperative developer that can work with you. Um, so at this point, like the the and there's a cooperative loan fund that like specifically give loans, non-predatory loans to cooperatives and people who are trying to start um, co- uh, cooperatives and that kind of stuff. So at this point, the the U.S. the cooperative movement in the U.S. has done a really good job of building up this ecosystem of support um, and has built these blueprints. Um, I think some of that was there 10 years ago when we started and, and, but it has become much more robust uh, now. And, um, you know, if you want to start a cooperative, uh, or, or even one big thing that the cooperative movement is, is advocating for is actually, um, transitioning existing businesses to cooperatives. So, you know, if someone's an owner is looking to sell their business or just whatever, um, there is, a big ecosystem and network of support to 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 be able to make that happen since the podcast is it's not just in your head i was wondering how you would explain the psychological interpersonal effects 
of creating a cooperative organization based on instilling cooperative values in relationship with each other. Because, you know, a capitalist relationship is one thing where you exist to provide wealth for someone else. And um, a cooperative is different. And your cooperative is an example. And I wonder if you would talk a little bit about the effect on personal life and values of creating a cooperative movement through both your co-op organization, but also the games you produce. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it's um, it's just like a, it's a different way to look at yourself, your relationship to work, your relationship to your community, the relationship to what you do, you know, when, um, you know, I, I've worked in both cooperatives and not cooperatives and, um, um, uh, and, you know, in, in cooperatives, there's dumb stuff you have to do. There's like, you know, there's stuff you have to do that are like, oh, this is so pointless. Oh God. But it's like, oh yeah, it's for, it's for the, it's for the business that I, collectively own and run okay great you know um i i, I understand i gotta do this for you know rather than i'm doing this to line the pockets of yada 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 person um so there there is like a mental shift there's you know um it, there is a, a feeling of solidarity and mutual aid but you know um, as was said earlier you know we are we are people so and again i don't want to paint it as uh, puppy dogs and rainbows there's like you know system systems are made out of people they're not made out of bricks and that extends to that extends to cooperatives and you know you can have conflicts in cooperatives cooperatives are falling apart because of interpersonal conflicts um you know like i said it's a it is a democracy and um it's not a uh um and uh in democracy like any democracy you know it can be um affected by uh that you know bad faith actions and and that kind of stuff but it is at the end of the day um what a cooperative does uh, working as in a cooperative movement is you're positioning your you know you're repositioning capital so that it is subordinate to labor and not so that labor is subordinate to capital uh um, and the reason that the, that capital is being produced is to benefit the workers, to benefit the welfare of the community that you're a part of. Um, you know, and that's why, like I said earlier, we were able to just be like, hey, we, we just do board games now, right? Because that we want, and we're like, yeah, let's do that. Like, you know, in a normal business, that would not, that would not be so easy. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, to give a more concrete example, um, during uh, the pandemic, um, I know uh, I, I wrote an article early on in the pandemic, uh, you know, when we were in month two or something like that. I don't know. Um, uh, but about how cooperatives were shifting their business model. Some cooperatives were shifting their business model um, because, you know, they were house, they, they were working on house renovation. They were, you know, house renovation cooperatives or something like that. And they, that, that wasn't happening, right? That they suddenly freeze on that. But rather than laying the comp, like you know, laying all the staff off and da da da, they said, "Okay, hey, what do we do now? Um, what like we we gotta, you know, the the point is in a cooperative, you share the benefits in a good time and you share the burdens in hard times, right? So in this hard time, they were like, you know, we're not, obviously, we're not gonna lay ourselves off. What are we gonna do? Okay, now we are a food delivery service. So now we are a da 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 da, and they just shifted rapidly um during during the pandemic when suddenly their you know their entire structure purpose was taken out from under them um and it was this like collective call to action um because they had to share that burden during the hard time rather than just one person at the top saying well i gotta lay off my workforce and wait till this rolls over um so that there's that sort of like um sense of solidarity and mutual aid but again um you know we we are people we can make mistakes. Um, some some cooperatives I know did try to shift during the pandemic, and it didn't work out. And you know they didn't make it. Um, uh, but um, it's 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 this ability to think. You know, um, I'll give a just a, a much more personalized example. Um, one of my colleagues um, last year um, uh, was in a terrible accident and um, had a terrible head trauma and um concussion and like just wasn't able to work for four months um 
And we said, okay, we got you. Don't, yeah, you, you have no, nothing to worry about in terms of your job. We, we got you. We're pulling together. Um, and we're, we're, we're going to get you covered. And he thankfully recovered and was able to come back, but like, you know, in a normal business, I, that, that person would really be worried about their job. Right. Um, so yeah, so I'll stop rambling there, but, uh, (laughs) hopefully that addresses your question. I had another question is if someone in the co-op is not really pulling their weight, how do you handle that? You know, that's on a, that's on a co-op by co-op basis. Um, it's, a um, you know, yeah. Uh, that, that really, you know, it really depends, but, um, you know, you can just say, Hey, you're not pulling your weight. Uh, what's the, what's going on? Uh, but sometimes that doesn't solve things, you know, cooperatives, um, they can't, you know, usually in that they're, they're a, it, there's several things that depend, right? Is this a large cooperative with a more, uh, vertical structure? Is this a smaller cooperative with a more horizontal structure? It depends, but usually, you know, you have things like bylaw, like not usually you do as a cooperative have bylaws and governance structures in place so that you can address something like this. Is it a small thing of Hey, someone just like is having a tough week and just like kind of checked out. Okay, you know, talk to them. Or is this like someone who's just like really just like riding the wave and not not helping out and at all? And you know, you can. We've gone through this before, not to any sort of level of extreme, but you know, talk to someone like, hey, what's going on? Like, feel like you're da da da. And sometimes, like, you put things in place. You know, there's the people. There's always like there seems to be a gotcha question that there's like, well, how do you fire someone in the cooperative? And it's like, well, okay. Usually, you try not like the main goals to not get to that point, um, but um, because usually in a cooperative, what happens is uh, when you bring someone on, um, if you're already established, you have something called like an incubation, or sometimes it's called a probationary mm-hmm. period. But I prefer I prefer incubation, uh, where um, they are you know different cooperatives have different timelines for it some have a set number of hours some have like six months nine months a year but you know you are a worker you're not an owner for that amount of time and after that amount of time if it looks like you're a good fit then the cooperative votes to welcome you in as a full as a full member and that that's at first sometimes people hear that and they're like well that's not fair well it is fair because you got to make sure that this person it, you yeah. want to have this person be an owner in your company. So right. usually in a um, in a process where if you get to a point where you have to like get rid of someone, like you know, just mm-hmm. you, you've exhausted your 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 efforts, or it's clear it's not working out, or da da da. Some co-ops split. Um, you know, some have um, uh, you know very rarely here. You know, in a consensus-based cooperative, there is this something called consensus minus one, and if it's like, hey, everyone, you know, there's a cooperative of sixteen <laughs> yeah. people and fifteen people agree. That this one person is just not da da da. They can consensus minus one vote that person out and that, and that kind of stuff. So it depends and da da da. But usually the goal is not to get to that place. You know, um, usually the goal is like, hey, how do we like address what's going on? But the most important part for that is like making sure that this is someone you want to be a member of your cooperative before you even invite them in. Mm-hmm. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, I was also uh, impressed when I was looking through the website as well, like the um, just how the, the the actual board games are made, sort of generally USA made and sustainable, and that you're working with other uh, worker cops as well, right? Like I think the video was about a worker cop, which did exactly the the thing that you were talking about, which is like when the c- pandemic hit, not lay anyone off, just um, right. take a pay cut to survive. So. Yeah, I don't know if you wanted to talk a bit about the sort of actual process of making the games and sort of that decision. Um, right. Do you mean like that? How we manufacture them, or yeah, how we yeah, yeah, the, and the sustainability and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, it's important for us to walk the walk. I mean, to to walk the talk. Huh, walk what the is walk that? is good. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> to, right. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, our games are about changing the world, um, and it would be super easy for us to go and um, yeah, and have our games made and 
traditional way and you know and say great and thanks here you go uh but um that's not something we want to do um i don't when i say this sometimes people assume i'm like bashing people who like make games traditionally and and i don't i'm not because uh, like look i can I'll, i will tell you from experience making games ethically and sustainably is very hard and has taken up a lot of my time <laughs> so like we, we exist within you know, <laughs> right. a system that does not make that easy um yes. so like I, I i get it um and i have no unless you're like it's if you are purposefully seeking someone like to do a production route that is purposefully exploitative and and uh and cruel then okay that's different but if you're just following the normal paths out there then um i you know i got nothing um uh, but uh against you but um we do see it as our goal to try to help build the um um ability for people to um make games more ethically and more sustainably um oftentimes that has meant domestic um but i don't it's not exclusive i, I don't view that through like a nationalistic vent lens sometimes when people are like made in the usa it's like you know that's a uh nationalist thing and to me that's not that it's mostly about like okay being able to um know the labor pr practices and the and the da -da -da -out and cutting down the carbon footprint of who we're working with but sometimes it's not possible so um you know right now we are actually working we're going to work with a polish um firm um that we've checked them out and gone through they've got great labor practices their their sustainability practices are amazing uh da, da, da. but um so we we work with a number of um of uh, of producers um we've worked with u.s worker-owned cooperative print shops uh we've worked with um, unionized print shops in the U.S. Um, and that kind of stuff. And um, uh, we're one of the things we're trying. You know, one of the things that's challenging is every game we put out is a little different. It's got a little different shape. It's got a different size. You know, whatever. It's got different components. So not everyone can do the same thing. So um, uh, what we have done though is we've worked with some of these publishers to build up their capacity, um, and then we like talk about them. We promote them. We refer people to them. And and I know several of them now who did not print board games before we started working with them were now like advertised on their website. Hey, we can print board games and they're a U.S. worker-owned cooperative um, and, and all that kind of stuff. So we, we view our goal as to like, yeah, we're making our games, but also while we're making our games, we're trying to make a path for other that other people can try to follow in terms of making games ethically and sustainably. Um, but within that context, it's sort of like, you know, when I say ethically and sustainably, like that's not black and white. There's always going to be like, again, you know, there, there truly is no uh, ethical consumption under capitalism. We, we can do the best we can, but along some, somewhere along the path, something, you know, oil companies are getting paid to ship, you know, to oh, your the game, to your door. I, you know, I'm making this game on a, on a computer that source from data, you know, so I, you know, there's, it's nothing's going to be perfect, but we can try to do the best we we can um, within the bounds of also like not putting ourselves out of business, uh, but also within the bounds of like, hey, our goal is to make it so what we're doing here can make um, make it more possible for other people to follow this path. And we have been seeing that, um, which is actually really cool and um, uh, really exciting um, that like we know a number of, of print shops now are like, hey, yeah we we're, we're working with these people because of uh because because you you know work with us to build out this capacity and that kind of stuff so um but i again i i i, I do have to say like it it is a little it is hard it is harder to make the games um this way and it costs a little bit more than just the traditional you know um paths that are set up so i uh uh it it requires a bit of commitment um but you know i'll 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 all, all change in the world does. So, um, uh, yeah. So that's that's sort of our 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 view on our production is like we're not just trying to produce stuff for ourselves. We're trying to produce stuff to to make a path for other people. Yeah, and I and, and I thought the um, you know the the bit on your website where you're sort of recommending these different printers mm -hmm. and the experiences you've had with them. It's like that's exactly the sort of open right. sharing transparency thing that you know, stuff can right. be like, 
Um, right. You're not like it's not like at some sort of cold-blooded rivalry between you and other right. board game makers. It's like, hey, you know, right. here's our experience. We'll share it with you. Um, right. Exactly. Which I think think is great. Um. Yeah. Sorry, I, I realized Harriet. Did you or Ikoi? Did you have other questions? Well, I was just, you know, I don't. Um, one of the the I know, like this is board games and not video games. There, yeah. there are some games. Oh, so, online. so, so yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And you know, I was just wondering if, if since I'm really not much of a gamer, <laughs> so this is kind of like a, a area that is completely outside of my expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, do you think that there is a difference in terms of impact between the two and what they are? Between board games and video games? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, uh, okay, like, I'm going to say yes, definitely. And then also I'm going to say no. Um, so okay. both things are true simultaneously. Uh, but uh, like, you know, for me, and since I love board games and I love video games, um, but um, you know, a board game is a very, like, is by by its nature is a very social um, medium. Yeah. Um, it, 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 and video games can be that way too. So I don't want to like knock them, but they're not by nature, um, that, um, but board games are, Hey, you're, you know, if there's any people who are deep in the board game world right now, I can hear someone saying, well, what about solo board games? Okay, fine. But just put that to the side for a second. But, um, uh, you know, most, most board games are, you're playing with other people and it is a social experience. Um, and it's something where um, you're often, not always, you know, there's games like Yahtzee and stuff, but more and more, definitely now, like the idea of theme is very important in board games. So I'm like just staring at my board game shelf right now. And I see board game, uh, board game about, you know, hiking the national parks. I see a board game about saving endangered species. I see a board game about feeding a zombie apocalypse. I see a board game about, um, you know, brewing magic potions. Um, and so I feel in a board game more and more these days you are telling uh, even if not intentionally you're telling a little you're telling a narrative when you're playing a game collectively um and there's some games that are just pure mechanics and don't have theme and 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 fine but um uh when you're playing a board game you're talking you're you know even if it's a competitive game you're engaging with your other players and that kind of stuff and so you know one one i don't do you all know about the 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 secret true history of of monopoly yeah yeah yes okay cool all right well i don't need to go into it then but um uh there's uh there is a long history including monopoly which is originally the landlord's game uh, but there's other board games historically uh, there's a game called Suffragetto, which is a, a game about um, uh, suffragettes uh, fighting the police for their right to vote. There is a game from the 1970s called uh, Class Struggle. Um, so this is this is not like a purely new thing, um, mm. but I think uh, it is a um, a growing thing where uh, board games are yeah about are about doing something with other people. Video games can do that as well. Uh, video games are obviously very much narrative. Many of them are very narrative focused, um, but um, you know, you're really sitting in front of a screen, which I I like to do. So that's not a knock, um, but it is it is a difference in that um, mm. uh, you are you are have this sense of being together. And yeah, so I'll, I will uh, I will. Uh, uh, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always liked the tactile. Yeah, I, I've. And again, I haven't, you know, played video games since like right. the 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 original Quake days, which really. Oh did. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that, that was the last time that I played video games, and a lot has yeah. changed since then. Yeah. So um, the newer ones actually give me a lot of motion sickness, so I can't. Yeah, fair enough. Fair um, enough. But I've uh, I've always felt like the tactile, like you, you know, the pieces, especially with Monopoly. Yeah. And, and being able to like the hold them in, in my <laughs> hand, you know, and like I would get really attached to them. And, and right. I, I just remember board games having a very different impact mm. um, yeah. 
on me as a child, you know, especially as a kid. Yeah. Um, and so I was just wondering if those were some of, you know, the the intentions of going into board games. And also, like, crafting yeah. those pieces is, seems like it would be, like, a fun part of the process. It is. It is fun. Um, I... Uh, because I'm so in the weeds, I now like think very strongly about, okay, well, if we do a piece that's this big, that's going to increase this cost. That's going to increase this shipping. So uh, I've lost a little bit of the fun, the fun with the forest for the trees when the, the uh, but it is, it is really fun. Like, and it's really creative that like, you know, anyone can like, you know, get a, even if you're not like selling it for the world, like, you know, you're just making it for yourself and your friends. Anyone can make a board game. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it, get some paper, get some pen, da, 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 you can make a board game. Um, it, it's something that really is a, um, is an accessible thing, you know, accessible thing that like truly any person who wants to sit down and do it can do it. I'm not going to say anyone can make a good board game, I but I can say anyone can make a board game that can be good for the purpose of what they're making it for. Um, which I think is a very, very cool thing. And it, uh, which is why I think there's also, you know, I, I think we were one of the original people uh, making radical board games, at least in this current uh, era. Uh, mm -hmm. and, I'm sorry, and in terms of making radical board games, um, but we're not the only ones now. Um, and it's super cool. And it's super cool when I see a game and I'm like, God, I wish we had made that game. Like, that's cool that other people are doing that, like, you know? Um, I'm so like, yes, yeah, so they're part of me like, oh man, I wish we did that. But then I'm also like, I got to get that game and I got to play it and I got to support these people. Um, so, um, you know, I think the, the, the barrier to entry is, is much lower than something like a video game. So, which is, which yeah. is, I think, uh, yeah. I wonder though, since video games by and large are extremely violent as well as individual. And since they're in a male gender sphere and all the mass murderers have been male and kind of denied the vulnerabilities of their own suffering and longing and loneliness. I wonder if you have any games that kind of counteract the gender limitations on the male role that I think participate in the guess the um solution to robbed manhood and robbed power by shooting people. So I sure. wondered if you address those in your games, video or otherwise. Yeah, well, we don't really make video games. We have a couple of online games, but those are more like training tools for nonprofits that we've developed. So I, I can't really speak to the development of video games. Um, but I do want to say like, you know, one thing that I think we want to challenge a little bit is that, um, the, uh, I think, you know, there's actually been a lot of studies that have come out recently that show that, like, you know, uh, women make up, you know, at least, if not more, uh, like 50% of, of video game players. Oh, good. Um, and, and this is a, and this is like a, you know, it's a assumption that it's mostly men playing it, uh, but yeah. women make up a huge percentage of, um, of video That's game good to players. Hear. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 <laughs> yeah, and now, and now there are, of course, there are terrible, violent video games, and da da da. da you know, um, where, what role video games play, and stuff. You know, I don't know, um, but mm -hmm. um, I, I do. What I will say is that, like, there are, um, you know, just like I'm looking at a board game, a board game on my shelf right now about. Um, um uh about um bird watching which is very fun and one of the most popular board games out there um there are there are uh there are video games out there that are not about um you know uh uh, uh they're Shooting not people or anything yeah or you know it's just not like you know killing uh yeah kill you know about war i, I guess i'll say you know mm -hmm. there's game there's a game you can play that's about where you're a duck going around town and annoy or a, i'm sorry a goose going around town and annoying people there's like you know there's there there are so many video games out there um that are about different things and are about you know uh, i think the most popular ones are you know these huge whatever uh uh modern warfare yada 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 which are a 
effectively, you know, training or recruitment tools yes. for the army. Um, but um, uh, uh, there are uh, video games in themselves. I do not think are a violent medium, um, but there are um, just like, you know, I'd say the same about books and, um, and movies. And there are, there are, there are video games out there that are about really inspiring um, things and some not you know some are not about inspiring things but are just good video games um yeah. so yeah um uh, you know one uh, one example i'll give actually is um it's funny um sonic the hedgehog um uh, uh was originally created um in the 1990s as a uh critique of um uh environmental destruction and the uh, creator of it said at the time like this was that was a real hush hush thing uh because uh you know that was during the 90s that was that was pretty taboo uh but uh it you know he incorporated that more and more and other uh, as the games went on um so there is this sort of like history of video games as a tool for um promoting change just like the original monopoly and that kind of stuff but yeah anyways um i have, yeah i have a little bit of a complicated uh relationship to to violence in video games because I, I'll play some violent video games occasionally, but that's not my like main cup of tea. But uh, I don't know that. Um, anyways, I'll stop there. <laughs> I, I, no, I think I think there's a parallel between Monopoly and yeah. Call of Duty, which is just that you, the the culture has ideals, and Monopoly allowed you to be the ultra capitalist, you know, the winner. And you know, collectively, we live in a sort of military militaristic culture and it has ideas about what it is to be a man and so like call of duty allows you to go around shooting people <laughs> dominating and winning yeah. you know you get to be the right. hero the winner and i think that there's something interesting in this sort of radical publishing whether it's video games or board games versus the mainstream which mm. is that, like can you i think the interest uh, you know one of the interesting challenges is can you make a game that appeals to that sort of perverse, mm. perverse mainstream. And I mean like mm. monopoly. Oh yeah, I get to be the dirty capitalist, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but it has but it doesn't have that effect by the end of the game. You know, by the end of the I I, I actually think Monopoly, by the end of most games, people are like, oh screw this. Right. But um but I don't think that they're, they're like screw capitalism at the end of the game. But I just wonder like, you know, can you make video games, can you make board games that have that like appeal to the sort of the more yeah. illicit darker stuff but then you come out the other end feeling something different you know yeah and that empower without violence because the young the young men that i've worked with as a therapist the ones who are particularly disturbed usually are totally into violent Mm -hmm. board game not violent board violent video games where the winner mm -hmm. is the person who knocks down and destroys mm -hmm. so i wondered you know are the, it's really adjacent to liam's question are there board games that seem to be inviting destruction but actually teach that it wasn't a great idea you know I, I get asked this question uh, sometimes, like, oh, can we make a game where it's like you're supposed to like do this, but then you learn subtly that this was the thing. And I am honest, that's not like the strong suit of a board game. Like a board game is not a, a medium that is great for subtle, subtlety. Um, uh, I, I like to say that board games are good for like embodying things or experiencing things or seeing yourself as an agent and things. You know, I'm I'm sure there's some games out there that are what that might prove me wrong on the specific thing, but in most cases, like a board game is, hey, you want to save the planet, let's do that. Or hey, you want to? Yeah. You can shoot to destroy the planet or save the planet, and you know you can see the outcomes. But a board game is not a good like teaching tool in the sense of it. Like I've now learned this. Um, a board game is a better like uh, medium for experiencing, um, engaging, um, and but I, I when someone tries to ask me to like make a board game that like you know, I've had like, oh, well, teach Republicans that, and this is a very sim 
sim- simplistic, <laughs> yeah. whatever. But like teach yeah. Republicans that like get Republicans to play it, and but and and then they learn by the end of it that racism is bad. Like I can't do that. That's not. Um, no. A, I don't know that I can do that in general, but B, like, I don't know that, like, a board game is not going to do that um, for you. So, um, now, video games uh, might yeah. be a place where there could be some uh, more room for uh, nuance. Um, one example I'll give, and it's, this doesn't um, this doesn't tick the box of not being violent, but... Um, uh, uh, everything else it's a game called this war of mine um and it's an and they they actually did make a board game adaptation of it uh, which i haven't played um but i have played the video game and the point of this war of mine is that you are playing as um civilians that are trying to survive a war um and um it is an absolutely heartbreaking heart-wrenching experience um and you're not playing as um you know you you make hard decisions but it but it, tr- it tries to show the horrors of war through the perspective of of people surviving in a war um and i think it does a, a, a brilliant job um but um again it's it, it's very dark and it's very it is very violent and it's um 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 uh, but it's a very good game um uh don't play it if you're depressed which uh was a mistake i made at the time uh but uh, it left a very uh um strong impact and so, so i that is a place where i think video games can take on the subtlety of things a bit more than a board game which is a yeah. very straightforward but uh engaging medium yeah and i think yeah. you know you, you make a key point that like half of these gamers are are women and yeah and they're not shooting school, you know, they're not shooting up schools and stuff. So it's not, it's not the video games, is it? It's something else. It's, it's not violence. It's, uh, it's clearly much more, uh, complicated or bigger than that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not the person to make you, you all are much uh, closer to that, to being able to make that figure out what's going on there than I am. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but yes. Um, I mean, uh, um, I don't know that I, I I subscribe to the idea that violent video games make people go do violent things, but I do think um, it still it is. Oh, there's a hummingbird right outside my window. Sorry, um, I do think that it is. Um, um, it, it is true that video game that violent video games are part of a larger package of a violent mm. of a culture that promotes and idealizes. Um, violence um and yeah uh, and that can help move certain people along certain paths um but i think there are other things moving them along that path including you know white nationalism and um right yeah 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 so male supremacy but we wouldn't we wouldn't think that any one aspect of a society produces one behavior right i you know, it's just I was wondering if there were video games that counteracted some of this idealization of male violence. Oh yeah, there's certain I, there, there certainly are, and um, I'm just like going to have this whole brain blank right now of what they are. But um, mm-hmm. no, I'm glad <laughs> um, they exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so and I um, think kids, boys who are disempowered, are attracted to male empowerment, mm. which can be easily accessed by violent video games. Right. And, and, and look, there are, there are uh, also bad, and there are board games that promote, you know, colonialism and slavery and that kind of stuff. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to say board games are outside of that Purity. world. Yeah. Um, you know, um, there, there are and they're a reflection of, cultural moments and people's beliefs and that kind of stuff. There's a huge argument in the board game world and industry and about, you know, games that feature that sort of stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, I guess a, of course yeah. it's a medium that is there for people to use whatever per to whatever purpose right. they want. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's, I mean, I know I didn't have much to contribute, but, you know, just, again, this is not uh, a field that 
I know a lot about, and it was really a pleasure listening to you talk about it. Holy shit, yeah, we, need, we, need, uh, we need some, uh, not that we've got the capital to uh, pay for it, but we, you know, suddenly thinking, oh, yeah, like a mental health board game would be kind of interesting. Like, what angle would you take oh, it on would, it and huh? what would the adventure be, you know? <laughs> that's, right. a, that's a very cool idea. Mm. It certainly yeah. is. Oh, yeah, meet Freud idea. somewhere in the toilet or something. <laughs> there you go that's the Freud in the toilet you got your title massive thank you as always to our VIP patrons Rebecca Johns Sheena Bilmus Alexander Lashley Jennifer Cox Seamus O'Connell Alex Placito and Bruce Rogers Vaughan if you have enjoyed anything you've heard Harriet say in this program you will definitely enjoy Capitalism Hits Home which is a solo program that Harriet does through Democracy at Work which is a worker-owned cooperative that produces other great programs such as Economic Update with Richard Wolff and the Anti-Capitalist Chronicles with David Harvey I can't recommend enough that everyone also listen to Capitalism Hits Home if you enjoy It's Not Just in Your Head And you can hear more from Harriet on her radio show called Interpersonal Update. It's on WBAI at 2.30 EST on Wednesday afternoons and in the WBAI archives.